Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to top athletes, coaches, influencers, and minds from around the world of strength sports. Presented by barbend.com. Today on the Bar Bend Podcast, I'm talking to Bryce Krawcheck, the owner and head coach at Calgary Barbell a company dedicated to coaching services, as well as educational and entertainment content via YouTube and Instagram. He's an IPF Classic World Medalist, Canadian National Champion, and IPF Open World Record Holder. He's also a Barbend.com contributor and the subject of a great new documentary titled The Power Lifter. If you haven't seen Bryce and Calgary Barbell's content before, it's truly top-notch. Their series titled So You Want to Be a Power Lifter was a hit on multiple platforms, including their YouTube channel and a written series on Barbend. Bryce makes powerlifting fun, funny, and accessible to just about anyone, and I'm excited to dive into what motivates him both as an athlete and an influencer in the sport. And just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the Barbend podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. This helps us stay on track in bringing you the best content possible week after week. And if there's someone you'd absolutely love to hear on a future Barbend podcast episode, let us know in your podcast review. I personally read each and every review, so your suggestions will be seen. All right, today on the Barbend podcast, I'm talking to someone who I've been following in the sport of powerlifting for a number of years. I've been fortunate enough to work with him on a few pieces of content for Barbend, and that is record-holding powerlifter Bryce Krawcheck. Bryce, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Absolutely. I'm very, very happy to be here. I know we've uh, had the opportunity to collaborate on a couple of things, and it's, uh, it's, it's cool to have the opportunity to be uh, one of your inaugural episodes. I'm excited about it. <laughs> well, we are, we are definitely early on in the podcast recording process, but so far we've had a, a pretty diverse array of folks, and I believe you're our second or third power lifter. Everyone's been a world record holder at some point so oh, far, wow. so you're joining, you're joining, joining rarefied air. But uh, Clearly. Just, just to kick off, Bryce, I mean, a lot of people know you as a record-holding powerlifter, a content creator, the face behind Calgary Barbell. How did right. you get started in powerlifting, and when was that? Uh, so for me, powerlifting was uh, like I kind of fell in love with just going to the gym and lifting and and some of that kind of sort of just basic, um, you know, doing the damn thing uh, early on as, uh, as a function of just being unhappy with being a skinny guy. I was naturally scrawny. <laughs> I was always... Um, you know, had a very slight frame. I think I was like, I was looking back at an old training journal not long ago and, and seeing myself kind of writing a celebration of hitting 160 pounds uh, body weight. So it started off as one of those things to try to, I guess, just be a bit more comfortable in the skin that I live in and um, quickly kind of realized just how much I liked to lift and how much I, you know, enjoyed the process of getting better at things. So decided to try my hand at competing in something related to that. And uh, the bodybuilding for me just never, never appealed to me. It just didn't, you know, check those boxes for me um, for a number of reasons. But um, my boss at the time was actually a bodybuilder. I was working for like a small personal training company. Um, and he did some powerlifting in his off season and said, well, why don't you come try a powerlifting meet? So I went to my first powerlifting meet in 2012 and, uh, that was just, it was like one of those light bulb moments. It just clicked and I was like, well, this is my thing. I mean, I, this is, 
you know, I, I had never felt that way, even coming off the platform from my first squat. I had never had that kind of a rush before in my life. And it just immediately sunk in that this was something I was going to do a lot of. <laughs> All right. That first meet back in 2012, what body weight were you competing at? And do you remember what your, what your lifts were? Uh, so I competed at 181 or 183. I think it was the 83 kilo category. Um, I think my squat was about 190 kilos. Uh, bench was somewhere in like the 130 range, and my deadlift was uh, two. I want to say it was just over 500 pounds, so like 230, 240 kilos. And just to yeah. give folks a, a, a reference point as to where you are now in body weight mm-hmm. and and numbers, uh, you know we're here in 2019, summer of 2019. What are you competing at? And uh, you know what are your what are your best competition lifts right as of now? Uh, so I compete at 105. Um, currently in the process of moving up a weight class, so I'm a little bit heavier than that right now. Um, 105 kilos, just to just to clarify there. Yeah, so 231 pounds. Um, and my best lifts in competition are a raw, anyways, are a 315 kilo squat. So that's 694 pounds. Uh, 182.5 kilo bench, which is 403 or 402 maybe, uh, and a 375 kilo deadlift, which is, I want to say like 840, 830, somewhere in there. I mean, so, yeah. what's the difference? What's 10 pounds when it comes, <laughs> when you're deadlifting over 800, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it makes, makes the difference between, you know, standing up and not. <laughs> I, I promise I was being sarcastic. I promise I was being sarcastic there. So, so Bryce, you, you compete back in 2012, your first one, you get a rush coming off the platform. Absolutely. Did that open, did that like just open the floodgates and you just wanted to turn around and compete again? To a point. Yeah. Like it, it gave me enough to continue on with things. Um, I did my second meet and I actually bombed on my second meet on the squat. I, uh, got called for depth on my first one, made some poor decisions on my second and third and didn't end up getting a squat in. Um, but you know, stuck with it a little bit. And after I moved to Calgary and Alberta, the big one that kind of opened the floodgates was the first time I ever like went head to head with somebody. It was, it was for the provincial title. Um, and it came down to the last deadlift. It was very, very heated back and forth. And that was, I think I, I, I like, I fell in love on an even deeper level with that kind of competition within the sport because it was the first time I had experienced that I did win. Um, so there were a lot of, a lot of things there that just, yeah, really opened the floodgates up to that point. It was cool. And I really enjoyed it after that. It was like, okay, this is my life now. (laughs) I have to say provincial title sounds so much cooler than the American equivalent, which is state champion, which is still a great, that's a a great accomplishment, but just saying you're like the, I'm the provincial title holder. It just got such swagger to it. (laughs) Well, maybe it's because there's like many, like a, a, a number less provinces than there are states. Who knows? How many how many times have you been the provincial title holder in Alberta? Um, maybe two or three times. I uh, generally, when provincials come around, I referee because mm. um, we have to participate in Alberta. We have to participate in our provincials in order to go to nationals. Um, and most of the time, I choose not to lift at provincials um, and and sort of use my competition schedule or. or tailor my competition schedule to the, to the bigger meets at this point. Um, but yeah, so maybe, maybe two or three times I won provincials. Gotcha. Now something you're really known for online and it's shows through in a lot of content you produce. We've worked on some of this together for, for Barbend and, and some of the content Calgary Barbell puts out there is really shining a light on the difference between raw and equipped powerlifting. Some of the misconceptions folks have. So what, 
did your evolu- how did your evolution in the sport come about when it came to you know transitioning from raw and then starting um, equipped powerlifting basically? Okay, um, so I think the big thing for me, and honestly, there was there was a real sort of tipping point with that as well. I had seen equipped lifting, uh, and it looked kind of cool, and the the sort of prevailing mindset or, or prevailing uh, I guess school of training. Uh, at the time when I first got into powerlifting in regards to equip lifting was the sort of West side multiply, super wide stance, super high squat, monolifted, um, you know, like it was a very different kind of lifting and a very different, I guess, attitude towards things. Uh, and then at the time, I think equip lifting in the IPF was very, or at least in, in this part of Canada was very, very minimal. So I was exposed to a little bit of that, thought it was kind of cool and went and presented at a coaching conference alongside, uh, or alongside some, some really great coaches. And one of the coaches, uh, presentations was, Hey guys, this is what equip lifting is. And it was at that point that I, I kind of thought, Hey, I wonder if that would be something I wouldn't like to try. Um, and kind of got into it and just immediately fell in love with it again. Uh, it, I, that was sort of in the, in the midst of some hip injury issues that I have been dealing with on and off for a number of years. Um, and being in the equipment, I had no pain. So that was another big draw to it for me, uh, as well as just, you know, it was another thing that I could get good at, at a very, very, uh, quick pace. Um, you know, one of the things that I think drew me into lifting when I first started was that, I saw so much progress. It was, it was very exciting to see myself progress at that rate and, and really addicting, I think in some ways. So getting into equipment was another learning curve. Uh, I was a novice at it. I didn't know how to use the equipment. I couldn't use the tight stuff. You know, it was, it was an opportunity for me to find something else within the sport that allowed me to push that much further and get that much further. I've heard a few other athletes uh, talk about this. Blaine Sumner is one that comes to mind. I mean, he really made his name as a as a raw power lifter, and now he's one of the finest equipped power lifters in the world, or at least one of definitely one of the best well known as well. And he talks about equipped power lifting as a mechanism to extend his training career and extend his his competing career as all uh, as well. Do you find some personal validity to that? I think so. Um, I like I said, I know for me that. I'd say 99% of the time, if I'm in a squat suit, I don't get the usual hip pain that I have to kind of be cautious with and, and lift in such a way and be very conscious of my intensities like I do when I'm raw. Um, so for me, it's, it's the ability to kind of go out there and really, you know, just push hard and not have to worry about some of those other things. And I think being able to push in that movement, you know, there's, there's enough uh, literature about the sort of psychological impact on pain and these kinds of things. Um, so being able to squat heavy and hard and really push myself, even with the use of a suit, I think has aided me in being able to stay um, training raw and do a better job of, of that training, push harder and hopefully, yeah, compete for longer. So I definitely think there's some, some merit to that idea. I know this is something you get asked a lot, and and I'll definitely tell people at the end of this podcast and put it in the show notes to check out all the awesome content Calgary Barbell has on the subject. But what are some misconceptions you think a lot of powerlifters, a lot of people in strength training and even raw powerlifters might still have today when it comes to equipped lifting and what that really means? I think the biggest misconception is that it's easy that you, you put on this suit and, you know, miraculously, and all of a sudden you can just use it like an expert and get, you know, a hundred kilos or 200 pounds, uh, on your squat that you just get into this thing and Hey, everything's easier. 
Um, and it's just, it's so, so far from that. Like it's, it's a whole other learning curve. It takes you a long time to be able to use this stuff that is going to give you the benefits um, of, of being able to add that much. So it's, it's a very much like a scaling sort of ladder of, okay, skills improve. So now I can get into tighter equipment and then your skill increases and then you can get into tighter equipment, but it's definitely not a, uh, it's definitely not an easy thing. Gotcha. Now I do want to take a, a, a different perspective here because you're not just a competitive and record holding powerlifter. You're a content creator. You're a coach. Calgary Barbell puts up out what I think is some of the best content in powerlifting, especially on the video side. How did you come to get involved in so many aspects of the sport, not just competing? Um, so I think the, the content creation and stuff like that, I mean, I, when I first began powerlifting, I was doing personal training. So it just kind of logically followed that as I became a better lifter and educated myself further in the sort of, um, in the, the sport, um, I was able to begin coaching powerlifters at a, you know, sort of more novice level and help introducing people to it. And as my skill as a coach grew, I worked with more and more advanced clients. Um, so that kind of just logically followed, but in terms of the content creation, um, that was, that was all just meeting Dylan by chance really. And Dylan, uh, is my, my business partner and, uh, the guy behind the camera for all of the Calgary barbell content. And, we kind of lifted together and he was doing some vlogging and decided that his vlog content wasn't, wasn't what he wanted to be doing. He thought that he had a really good grasp on sort of the behind the camera stuff, but with him as the subject, he felt like it was falling short in some ways. Um, so we decided to just make some, some promotional stuff and some really quick videos that very quickly turned into, okay, well we can make, you know, an actual go at this and try to, um, produce more and more content. And it again, kind of just caught on and snowballed from there, but that stuff's all Dylan, man. <laughs> um, what is that? Uh, what is Dylan's background and how did you all get linked up? You were training partners first. Yeah. So he, he trained with another guy, um, who just goes by Friggy. <laughs> that's uh, the so most power lift. That's the most Canadian powerlifting <laughs> name I've ever heard. Friggy. What weight yeah, classes? Yeah. What weight classes? Friggy is he a super heavy? Uh, Friggy was a one twenty. Okay. I think. I think he dabbled in the super heavies more than once, but usually competed around one twenty. So, anyways, Friggy and Dylan um, had some classes together, and Friggy and I got chatting one day in the hallway because I was wearing a an elite FTS sweater or something like that. Anyways, uh, we ended up training together for a while and, and getting to talking and, and it kind of just developed from there. Dylan, uh, has a kinesiology degree and, um, I think wanted to get into whether physical therapy, I think was, was sort of his, uh, his end goal, but ended up taking an elective, which required him to do a film project. And again, it was one of those things that just like something just clicked for him. Um, and he decided that was what he wanted to do and then was able to kind of make that, um, connection between his kinesiology background and lifting and film, uh, through, through us creating Calgary barbell. Now let's, let's talk about that. Now, Calgary barbell, what is it? It's not just a YouTube. It's not just a YouTube channel. You're very much the face of it, but if folks want to understand, you know, what is Calgary barbell? What are all the services you offer for the powerlifting community? Uh, how would, what's the elevator pitch there? So the, the, first and foremost, we're, we're a coaching company. So it's myself. Um, I have four other coaches employed, uh, that we do uh, personal training and one-on-one -on -one coaching, small group coaching, as well as a great deal of online coaching. 
secondly, it's education. So we do a lot of seminars um, and education on sort of a, a novice and more advanced level, depending on on the audience and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then lastly, that sort of education branches into what we try to do with the, the YouTube content. Um, we also, I mean, we sell some apparel and uh, we're working currently on a, a program library that people can can purchase programs from that will, um, you know, allow them a, a taste of sort of what we offer in online coaching. Awesome. You all have some fantastic video series on YouTube. Um, the one that we've worked together on on the Barbell and Calgary Barbell side is So You Want to Be a Powerlifter, where you you break down all these steps. And I'm sure that's a lot of content that you would have really liked maybe when you were first starting your powerlifting career. Where do the topic ideas come from? I mean, are these questions that people are reaching out to you about? Are these questions that maybe your your training clients have? How are you coming up with these ideas? I think the biggest thing there, and, and you kind of nailed it right there, was that it was the things that I wish I would have known going into powerlifting meet. Uh, and then it, you know, kind of branches into some of the things that I thought were more, um, more advanced things that, that maybe, you know, you would be, it would be good to be conscious of these things, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, a hundred percent necessary for you to know all of it. But, uh, like I, I showed up to my first powerlifting meet and, I had to revamp my bench press in the warm-up room because I didn't know that your head had to be down on the bench. I didn't know you had to wrap your thumbs around the bar and I didn't know that your heels had to be down. So as I'm warming up, people are looking at me like, you can't do this on the platform, dude. Like that's not okay. <laughs> um, so through that and, and through also taking a lot, a lot of lifters to their first meets as a coach, um, and, you know, sort of running through the, the gamut of, okay, these are the rules, these are the calls, these are what the lights mean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I just thought that that would be a good sort of resource to direct people to and say here, like, you know, take an hour out of your day and watch them all or take, you know, 20 minutes a day for a week out of your, your, uh, your life to kind of go through this. And then, you know, and you can ask me to, you know, sort of, uh, touch on some of the finer points or whatever, but uh, I thought that that was something that would have a lot of value for a lot of people because the sport is is growing at at such a rapid rate. There's a lot of first time lifters, um, you know, on the coach and the referee side of things. It's good when people come in and they're like, "Yeah, no, I know that. I know that. I got my rack heights. I have my uh, opening attempts in kilos, um, you know, and and the numbers all make sense. I'm not trying to open with uh, 51 kilos or anything like that, but. So yeah, it's just a, I guess, an attempt at helping to provide people with something that can leave them a bit more well versed for their first trip to the platform. Something that you've touched on in your videos, and actually in conversations we've had, just you know, over email or over the phone, uh, is advice you have for first-time competitors, especially those who might not have the luxury of having such an experienced coach like you in in their corner. What are some of the main tips you might give to folks who? are into powerlifting, thinking about competing, but maybe they don't have a coach yet. Maybe they're thinking, oh, you know, I, I, I shouldn't compete. I don't have this whole like support team behind me. If someone's going at it alone at that first competition, you know, like your, your top three tips you might give them. Um, so number one, um, I would say try to be a bit social. A lot of times if you can like make a connection with somebody and, you know, be friendly they can help guide you in some ways. Um, maybe their coach will help you sling plates in the warm-up room. I know I've done it for people who are like, Hey man, can I work in on that rack? And then, you know, they have a couple of very sort of novice questions and things like that. And it's like, okay, you know, we'll kind of take you under our wing today. We'll give you a bit of a hand because I find the powerlifting community is really, really great in that way. A lot of people are very willing to help out. 
Uh, number two would be don't worry about your weight class. That's a huge, huge one. People are, oh, should I cut, you know, 10 kilos for my first meet so I'm more competitive? And it's like, no, dude, just like eat and drink as normal. Go in and compete as a, like somewhere right in the middle of a weight class. You're not trying to maximize your uh, lean tissue at that point. Like just, just go lift and and don't, don't uh, do that to yourself. Um, and lastly, it would be, I guess, try to familiar, familiarize yourself with the rule book, at least to some extent. Um, you know, take the time to understand how the meet's going to run, what you're going to get called for, or hopefully not get called for, um, and how, you know, the order of things will go and what the referees do and who to ask about what. And, you know, so yeah, that'd probably be the big one or the big, the big three there. Well, you forgot the most important one, which is come prepped with a powerlifting nickname. Friggy's already taken, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if you got one of those, you know, put it in uh, put it in quotation marks and try to get that on your lifter card so it shows up on the screen every time. <laughs> so, so Bryce powerlifting in 2012, Bryce powerlifting now in 2019. You've changed a lot. You've grown a lot. How do you think the sport has changed and grown in that time period? One of the cool anecdotes that I often go back to when I when I reminisce about the olden days, and I'm I'm not that uh, I'm not that veteran in the sport. I understand that uh, there's a lot of people who have been doing this for thirty or forty years, but in the time that I've seen, one of the big things is just, is just the number of lifters at a meet and the number of people interested. Um, I my so my second meet I talked about bombing out of that was Western Championships. Now there was no qualifying total. There were maybe 12 or 13 lifters, I think, total. Um, there were probably two female competitors. And you go to a meet now, and it's, you know, Western Canadians, I think, is is coming up here in September. There's probably five or 600 lifters. Um, and I would be very surprised if we weren't 50 or even 60% female lifters. So those are probably the two biggest changes are simply the number of people, uh, and the number of female competitors has, uh, has greatly increased, which I think are fantastic markers for progress in the sport. How do you think, uh, all the different infrastructures behind powerlifting, whether it's gyms, gym owners, federations, where have you seen them succeed in keeping up with that growth? And, and where do you think there's still, uh, there's still a lot of gaps? Um, I, I can speak maybe more to the, the gym side of things. Cause I've been involved with, with our gym here in Calgary since its inception. And I think a lot of people as gym owners, there are two, two big mistakes. So number one, they try to start too big. They try to take on this gigantic facility, outfit it with all comp spec equipment and, you know, create this sort of huge initial investment and in overhead that isn't sustained if you don't have a community. So I think that as a gym owner or, or a prospective gym owner, definitely focus on the community first. Um, and secondly, I think I forget where I was going to go with that one. That first one, <laughs> that first one's a big one. Maybe I covered it. Just, just uh, yeah. The, the second concept there, but the, the second concept is rewind this podcast by a minute. Listen to that first one again. Cause it's pretty yeah, important. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's probably the, the biggest one is just, you know, your, your, uh, your sort of eyes are bigger than your stomach kind of thing. Now I, I want to 
shift a little bit because something that some listeners might have seen and something that I hope all the listeners uh, to this podcast will, will check out after this, and we, we wrote about it on barbend.com, is uh, the documentary that you're the star mm-hmm. of, The Power Lifter. Um, a fantastic documentary covers, uh, goes really deep into your process, your competition preparation, you as an athlete. How did that come about? And uh, you know, ultimately, what's it like watching a representation of yourself as an athlete on screen in, in that kind of big format? So it, it came about, um, Dylan has, you know, like I said, been involved in film and kind of has his ear to the ground, has a couple of friends, um, in, in the, the industry, or at least in, you know, art schools and that kind of stuff. So we, we found out about this, um, this story hive grant that TELUS does, um, and they give out, um, a whole bunch of money to, I think it was 20, different uh, entries and they do different styles. So this one was documentary. They have one for music video. They have one for web series, et cetera. And we signed up, we tried to, we, you know, we entered for this documentary one and there were uh, a number selected by panel of judges, a number selected by popular vote. And we were lucky enough to have um, enough influence that we could, you know, pester people enough that they would go and vote for us every day, sometimes on all the different devices. And yeah, people were awesome in terms of the support for the thing. So we ended up winning by popular vote. Um, and we got a grant, we were able to get some, uh, pretty fantastic equipment because Dylan's obviously very well versed at kind of doing the whole process himself. We didn't really need to hire much for outside help or a team or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of what it's like, um, it, I felt a little like vulnerable sometimes in some situations, putting some of that stuff out there. Um, and, and just a bit, a bit unsure, like how it was going to be received. Right. Like I, my process is not everybody's process. My, my feelings toward powerlifting and, and the way that it integrates to my life is not the same as everybody else's. So our, our big hopes with the film were to try to, um, for one, I guess, explain what powerlifting means to me and try to put into words why I think people are drawn to the sport. Um, and, and as a second part, I guess, try to explain that previous concept to people who look at us like we're insane and like, why would you want to do that? You know, to, to kind of explain, Hey, this is why we love this. This is why we pursue this. This is why, you know, we're willing to injure ourselves and go through setbacks and, and things like this for this sport. So our, our, kind of goal is that people who maybe aren't lifters and don't get lifting can watch that and be like, Oh, okay. I guess that kind of makes sense. What's some of the feedback been from maybe folks inside the powerlifting community and also your friends and family who are not necessarily super entrenched in powerlifting or the strength sports community? Um, I would say 95%, 99% of the feedback from the powerlifting community has been outstanding. Um, it, it was, it was pretty incredible to hear all of the feedback and all of the people who were able to identify with what we said and, you know, uh, things like, you know, I, this is why I lift, but I've never been able to put it into words before. Um, and things like that, which, which really made me feel good. And, and like, we kind of accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. Um, I also talked to a lot of lifters who forced their non-lifting friends to watch it, um, <laughs> And, and even then, you know, they said that, uh, it was pretty well received. So I guess, uh, you know, we've, we've accomplished some of the things we set out to try to accomplish with that. Would you, if presented with the opportunity, would you do another documentary that like semi invasive up close and personal look inside your life or, or are you good for a bit on that? Um, I think we're actually 
mulling about the idea of doing something, maybe not more personal, but maybe more general, mm-hmm. um, trying to talk to more lifters and talk to um, sort of budding powerlifting communities and and figure out, you know, why different people powerlift and, and get more perspective uh, and try to, I guess, understand other, other different ways of looking at the sport, uh, as well as continue to follow as I, uh, I guess, work towards the world games in a couple of years. So something longer form, um, and maybe a bit broader, but yeah, that, uh, that might be in the works. Who knows? That's a, who, who knows? Well, you, you might, but, uh, not, not leaking too, too much right now. Um, world games. That's a great segue. What does your training look like these days? What are your immediate, uh, midterm and, and longer term goals for yourself in the sport? So currently training is kind of the calm before the storm, um, heading into worlds in November, I'll be competing in Dubai at the IPF open world championships. Um, so I'm in a, a, like a maintenance block doing some hypertrophy work. Things are light. Things are, um, a lot of sets of 12 and those kinds of things. Um, rough, rough. just finished a really productive, uh, raw block, which, which is really encouraging. Um, I feel like if I can get my raw strength up, my equip lifts are just going to be better. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to get back to it at this point. So, um, training has been going really well. The hip hasn't been giving me many issues and, uh, trying to, I guess, maintain perspective on, you know, the long term being that 2020 worlds means more than this world's and pace myself a little bit and some of that kind of stuff. So let's talk about, you know, next year, the year after that, you talked about the world games preparation mm-hmm. for that. Um, just for folks who might not be super, super familiar with the international powerlifting calendar, what does that look like for you? And, and how does that influence your long-term goals? So world games is, is sort of the, the end of the tunnel for me at this point, we'll see what happens after that. But world games is a, a multi-sport event. It's the pinnacle of powerlifting right now. They take the, the, I believe you have to hit the podium at open worlds the previous year, uh, or there are some wild card slots based on how you perform at other international meets that are available for certain countries, but it's, uh, it's the best of the best. They trim the weight classes down to, I think like light middleweight and heavy and, uh, just, you know, whoever lifts the most, or, or I think they might be, might go by IPF points. I'm not entirely sure, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's the elite of the elite and that's my big goal right now. So, and it's, it's a bit, it's a bit like, you know, powerlifting is not an Olympic sport yet um, as of this recording, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's, you know, the World Games isn't an every year sort of thing, just to give folks at home a perspective. Yeah, so it's it's essentially the sports that are waiting to or trying to get into the Olympics. Um, it's, it's recognized by the IOC, which I'm not exactly sure what that means uh, as an event. But um, yeah, so there are a, a lot of different sports that are kind of vying for Olympic uh Olympic hopeful or they are Olympic hopefuls, I guess. And this is uh this is sort of like the, it's, it's every four years, right? The world games. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Every four years. So it's yeah. a bit like the testing, testing grounds there. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I might have two shots at this if, if I have a nice long career, but um, beyond that, I don't know if I have another 12 years of being this competitive in me. So we'll see. <laughs> Um, well, Bryce, you know, as we're coming toward the end of this recording, um, where can folks follow along with you, with Calgary Barbell, the awesome content you all are putting out, and um, you know, if they're interested in learning more about your training and just your approach, where can they find that info online? So we are Calgary Barbell literally everywhere. Um, we are Calgary Barbell on YouTube, Instagram, we're Calgary Barbell. Um, my personal account is Bryce underscore CBB. 
Um, I post a lot more of my training on there. We try to put more educational sort of coach content on the, the Calgary Barbell Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook despite not posting there too, too much. And uh, we do actually do some Twitch live streaming now. We do live form checks and have our viewers send in videos. We analyze them and and uh, it's, it's pretty cool. We do that like once a week. So it's a couple different ways you can get in touch with us. Awesome. Well, Bryce, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. I know it's busy between training, coaching and managing all the other aspects of your business. So um, really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.